you're listening to podcasts or, or watching us we are here for the second round of the set jetter visit him at set-jetter.com mr robert patterson thank you for being on the show and coming back sir thank you happy saturday to you yeah happy saturday the heat wave is uh stricken los angeles we're at 115 you said you're hitting 100 degrees tomorrow yeah so i think this heat wave is just coming across the united states just in time for labor day to ruin everybody's long weekend it's crazy is it is it god's way of telling people to stay inside during COVID 19 so they don't go out and party something i don't know <laughs> we've, we've been getting a lot of messages lately so i'm not sure uh, what people are adhering to or not, or if that even matters. You're in Nebraska. Yep, Omaha, Nebraska. How's the social distancing enforcement going on there? Is everyone doing what they should be? Not as much as they probably are on the coast. So um, it's uh, it's kind of depends on even Omaha, the kind of area that you're living in. It kind of kind of depends. So um, I work at a uh, a nonprofit that is early childhood education and out of school programs. So we're pretty strict on all staff, um, all cool. school-age kids wearing masks. Um, yeah. The young ones, uh, uh, three and under, we don't. It uh, would be almost impossible, or it'd actually be worse with them taking the masks on and off. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm super uh, super attentive to when I go out as well and, and to stores. So And I haven't traveled at all since it happened. So you know me and how much I like to travel. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was debating whether I'm going to travel back east for the holidays, and I'm probably not because of the COVID, but but I was thinking of you because you were coming to the show, and uh, you wouldn't know that you're not traveling because you're very consistent with your posts, so it gives the illusion to new people that like you're always doing this stuff, but it's got to be rough not to be able to travel. Robert, by the way, owns and runs and is the uh, creative genius behind um, Set Jetter, uh, set-jetter.com, which films... Uh, takes pictures of film locations. Uh, I mentioned this in the first show he was on. I go to this site pretty much every day, uh, whether it's on his Instagram or the website. And I encourage you to check it out because it's really, really cool. And there are millions, there's not millions, there's probably thousands of these kind of sites. But I think yours is the best one. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I put a lot of work into it. And, and like we said last time, the silver lining of COVID is... I have a huge backlog of hundreds of films that I have not even posted yet. So um, sitting home, not having too much to do at night with events canceled, um, I've just been trying to churn these out um, on different movie anniversary dates and kind of get that out there. So, Yeah, I, I, you said hundreds backlog that haven't been posted yet? I remember one time I counted up, I think I had over 200 films that I visited, but I have not posted yet. So, Wow. That's, that's encouraging, though, because that way when you start to get low things hopefully will be moving again and you could like get out there. Absolutely. And, and I'm getting antsy because I'll find a new location. Maybe it might be for a film I've already visited and I'm like, now I'm super antsy just to get back out there. So like, um, um, I'm a big fan of psycho three and I finally found the spots in the opening desert scene where, she, where Jeff Fahey picks her up and stuff like that. And I'm like, I really want to get out oh, yeah. to the desert and take those pictures. I've seen that. Where, what, what part of the desert is that in? Like, what state? Uh, it's just kind of. Uh, I think it's a little bit east uh, of Lancaster, kind of a, kind of a random spot. So, but yeah, but yeah, I found I found that exact spot or a couple of different spots, and so I'm like, now I'm anxious to get out there and, and take a visit. That's so cool. I watched uh, Terminator again last night. It was on. It was like I had the itch. You know, I I go through these periods 
I'm sure like yourself and a lot of people where you just like have that itch. You need to watch a certain movie. For me, it's like Jurassic Park. I get the itch the most. I think I watched it like twice this year. It's just one of those times. But last night I was like, oh, I haven't seen Terminator in like a while. I'm kind of going to watch it. And I know that was filmed in Los Angeles. And I recognized a lot of the locations, even like the house. I know that like that area where like the Sarah Connor was killed, like the, the other Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, he's like, Sarah Connor, and he kicks the door open. Uh, have you house, done Terminator? I have. I don't know if it's on my website. So I've been to most locations. I know the first Sarah Connor house, I think that's gone, but all the houses that you see behind him as he walks is still there. And I remember I went to the gun shop and the correct Sarah Connor's apartment and stuff like that. Um, I think I, I took some pictures in Techno, Technoa. Uh, it wasn't Technoa anymore, of course. So I don't know if it ever was. Um, but I think I heard they're renovating that. And I think the guy actually wants to honor it and put Techno in the basement or something like that, which is awesome. You should. Yeah. I feel like it's important to preserve a lot of those places of iconic films. Like, they should own it. You know, like, okay, say you have the, uh, the house. You, you posted the Facts of Life recently. Mm-hmm. That house is iconic. I don't know who lives there, but they should own it. Like, own the idea that, hey, this is a famous house. Let's preserve it. You know, they should be preserved like National Historic Registry places. Oh, absolutely. So, um, and as you know, you live in L.A., so you know how much they just start tearing down. I saw, was it last week, they were tearing down Los Angeles County Museum, um, which was used like in Miracle Mile and some other movies, and I'm just like, Yeah, that's a good flick. The Miracle Mile also has the... uh, the that diner that's just mm-hmm. a diner for filming i used to drive past that a lot i used to live not too far from there when i moved to la i lived in los Feliz, but um uh i would drive up there because it was like you know it was a wilshire there was like stuff going on and it was so cool to see that for the first time because i knew it from at the time american history x oh yeah because i i love that movie and i was like ah oh, this is the diner and then i saw miracle Mile. it's in there it's in uh i think it's in reservoir dogs no it's in like a lot of films. Though. Yeah, yeah, it shows up, and you can always recognize it. Yeah, Miracle Mile. There's not too much left. Um, I went there to those occasions a few years ago, and I know the 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 gym they go to, and the shopping center, and like all all those places are now gone. And so uh, I was like, I'm glad I got it when I did. And it's the same. Like it's like, go go check out these places while you can. You don't know how long they're gonna last. Yeah, it's crazy the development and everything going on with that. Uh, the, the Terminator, when you visited that, um, that was mostly downtown, around downtown, right? Like, that neighborhood is, like, just a few blocks from, like, L.A. Center, kind of. Yeah, and then I know they shot by the uh, the police station down there where the, the helicopters land on top of the police station. I know Blue Thunder shot there, and that's where the ending uh, Cyber Dynast takes place, where the... The big explosion, and he comes out is kind of up on a ramp there. So I remember I was taking pictures there, and then I was starting to get looks from police officers. So I just kind of did my drive. Oh, really? Shooting. Yeah. Wonder what you're doing. Yeah. It's cool. Tonight, today on the show, uh, first of all, thanks for coming back. We're going to be diving into. The, well, Robert suggested we do. Uh, what was the one he suggested that we do? I say we should do, should do carry or the three carries if you want. No, uh, no, before that. It before was that. Le- well, we talked about Friday the 13th, but I thought, well, let me put that on hold until the Blu-ray uh, box set is coming out because I did help contribute to that. 
Yeah, I'm really congratulations on that too. I'm really excited for that. Don't don't get too excited. I'm excited. It, it's it's just photos. Um, I think for that for that I was literally contacted. I think at three o'clock in the afternoon with an eight o'clock p.m. deadline uh, to oh put gosh. photos together. Sounds um, about right. Yeah, so that's the usual way. So it's just I know they're putting all my photos in a montage with a soundtrack and stuff like that. Somebody else is doing locations for part one and two, and then they just wanted to honor you know parts three through four five six a bit of seven and some eight as well so but the one of the producers knew that i'd been in the jarvis cabin so they wanted to maximize yeah. those pictures for sure congratulations that Thanks. that's a good oh it was final destination that's what you, you oh, mentioned. Yeah. and i haven't i saw the first one i think that was it um but that that sounds about right with the deadlines i, I do like freelance editing stuff sometimes and it'll be like hey can i get this tomorrow and I'll be like, this is like eight hours of editing, man. Like, this is a lot of work. Like, you might have want to thought about that. Yeah. But congratulations. I, but you want to do it because um, I don't. Of course. I feel like physical media is going to be keep going farther and further away. That's going to not be happening. And and like I, like I said before, this is all for the fans uh, to yeah. share this information. I actually still like DVDs. I mean, I stream most of the stuff I watch on TV and HBO and Netflix and all that stuff. But I, it's like music. I, I Everything I listen to on my phone, but I still like having tangible stuff. to Like like an album, I like to own the album. I like to have... Now, I don't really do the CDs anymore. I have a bunch, but the DVDs I will still <laughs> buy because I have a DVD collection of like all movies I love. Can you see it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's like three rows back in there too. I got to get a bigger shelf. But I'm, I'm all about like the physical thing. This is like the office is like my, my, you know, podcast office. I have all kinds of movie stuff. You can't see, I got a huge poster of jaws up here. I have Disney, uh, two original Disney paintings. I got all kinds of stuff. Uh, stills from planes, trains, automobiles. I have a script right here. Here. I got to show you this. Cause I think all you'll right. appreciate this. In here. Can you see this? Okay. Yeah. This is an original script from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the oh, set. Gosh. And it has handwritten notes on here. And this is John Hughes's copy. That's um, awesome. And that's his signature. It's number 57. And it's in really bad shape, but I preserve it. Oh, awesome. Um, now, that is awesome to have. Well, like you said, those physical things are important to have. Yes. Um, for movies... As people know, that things could change any time and licenses get taken away. And if you think you own it, you might not own it anymore or who knows what version uh, that, that you have. So, Yeah, it, you, I, I absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's important to have that, to preserve it. And um, I think people appreciate it more. It's like streaming takes the magic. And I stream like everybody. But I think it takes the magic out of like watching a film because... Uh, Take The Irishman, for example. It's, you could arguably say it's Scorsese's opus. He got all those actors together. That'll probably never happen again. Uh, they're all you know, pretty old. And Joe Pesci was retired. They asked him like 60 times to do it, and he finally agreed. And the big thing about that movie was it was too long. And it's, you know, it's, it's a long film, but I didn't think it felt that long. But people have no problem watching, like, I'm going to sound like an old guy here, but they, they don't have no problem binge-watching like eight hours of Stranger Things. But you put a three-hour film out there, all anybody talks about is it's too long. And I, I feel like streaming kind of takes the magic out of watching a film. Yeah, I was curious, especially 
especially with the Irishman, I'm like, I wonder if they would have made it a miniseries instead. It would have been more popular where people are like, you know, like, oh, it's four special episodes and versus one big film. True. I think that's the way people just digest things now. You're right. I, I do feel like it would have been more popular if it were a miniseries. Mm. Speaking of miniseries, uh, before we get into Carrie, I want to bring up, did you see the trailer for The Stand? I did. What's your, what's your take on that, sir? Because I'm a huge Stand fan. It's like my favorite work of King. Um, uh, I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking for some new interpretations. Um, so, and I like um, Alexander Skarsgård as a Randolph Flagg. I think it's going to be great. I think he he embodies the allure and everything. Um, and yeah, he's the new it boy. Yeah, no pun intended. And then, uh, so Who- Whoopi Goldberg. I know she's a natural, obviously from Mother Abigail. But then I also I feel like these movies work better with more unknowns because uh, there's some people like Whoopi that you can't see past Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, like, can't see past Sean Connery, or you know, there's some people that are just so well known that uh, Brad Pitt. You know, it's Brad Pitt yeah. standing there. It's hard to find the characters, and so, um, but but otherwise, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of curious on on how that's gonna. Um, I'll, I'll be watching it for sure. So I'll I'll reignite my CBS All Access when it comes to. to oh that. yeah, I'm so excited for it, and I had a conversation with my buddy Josh. And him and I are both big stand guys, and we've been waiting for this for like 20 years. Uh, and he said the same thing you did about Whoopi. It's like, she's a great actress, but I, I can't get past the fact that it's Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I, I hope she pulls it off. Mm-hmm. And it's true. When you have certain actors and roles, ah, it's tough to get past that. Um, but I do have high hopes for it. I think Alexander Skarsgård is a great choice for Randall Flagg. And I'm really excited to see this and they've tried it they tried to do the stand into a full feature film for forever since the book was made king was trying to do it and it's there's just too much material so at one point they were thinking about doing a lord of the rings kind of thing because that's actually what the stand is based on stephen king made it a lord of the rings in the future or a present day like an epic trilogy so they were talking about doing three movies which even then that's a lot those would have to be like three and a half hour movies so, what do you think? I feel like the stand could only really be done in a, in a series. Yeah, I think, and if, if I think all the stars are kind of aligned for the way we um, like to take our entertainment now. Um, when I'm just thinking about uh, these kind of five piece series and stuff like that, the stand is perfect for that. And I think some of the some of Stephen King's other work is now working for that Castle Rock, um, where you can really get into the thread of all these different characters. Stephen King is best with, you know, this kind of uh, huge kind of universe of characters that kind of all come together. And I imagine, you know, let's say Needful Things or something like that. If that was a miniseries versus all kind of scrunched into one movie, I, th- I, th- I think they just kind of work better. I agree with you. Yeah, his ensemble pieces are what happens. And aside from like The Shining or Cujo or Carrie, which we're going to talk about in a second, uh, they do work better as miniseries. And he's having a renaissance right now. He did, for a long time, Stephen King's adaptations were pretty bad. Like the Tommyknockers, the Langoliers, the Stan people rip apart. I, I love, I know it has its flaws, I know it's cheesy, but I love the Stan. I think it's, it's, it's great. But uh, he's having this renaissance, and the, the output and the interpretations of his film are excellent. And they're even buying up 
short stories from his book, The Skeleton Crew, that like the, the, the story of the jaunt, which are like three pages long. They're buying these up and they're just doing everything. So if you're a Stephen King fan, as I am, and I know you are, it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, I, I'm excited as well. So that will, we'll be all ready to talk about locations in Vancouver. Uh, yes. <laughs> Carrie is a 1976 film directed by Brian De Palma. That was the first adaptation of Stephen King's book of the same name. I think it was 74 is when the book came out. Mm-hmm. I should have done my homework. I think you're right. The book, it was actually 74. Uh, I love Carrie. I think it was just the right amount of scary and psychological marriage. Uh, it, it has it, To me, it's a perfect horror film. It gives you all the things you want. Revenge uh, you know, shock value. It has deep psychological and religious undertones. What do you think about the original as a standalone film? Before we get into the other ones, sure. No, it's probably one of my top ten, and I think. And sometimes it's weird to call it a horror film uh, because there's not too much horror until kind of the end. And and if you more or less take out the end, it's just kind of like a. It's more. It's obviously more than high school drama, um, but. Uh, but there's just a tension that keeps getting tighter and tighter until it breaks at the prom. And I think that's where people, um, still watching it today, I mean, I'm not sure if kids watch it, if they kind of get the same kind of effect. Um, but that's where it still holds up for me. And I got to see it for the, on the 40th anniversary, they had a special showing in downtown Los Angeles. And um, a lot of the cast was there, and uh, it just... Works like gangbusters on the big screen. But my favorite moment uh, during that screening is uh, when Carrie, uh, uh, the blood's poured onto her and uh, she starts switching all the lights to red. And as soon as she did that, they turned all the theater lights red in that auditorium. I don't know if they had like red Oh, wow. And I just, I'm getting chills now because thinking about because I was like, didn't know it was coming. And it was just like. Uh, I think there might be video of it. I think Jeff Nelson at um, Shout Factory put some video of it, of it because obviously he knew that was coming, and it was just one of the most amazing experiences ever. Like, like you're like literally just. Uh, wow, that's incredible. But yeah, so Nancy Allen was there. Piper Laurie, um, uh, Brian Fuller actually facilitated the uh, uh, the Q and A after. Um, I can't remember everybody else that was there, but. Uh, PJ Souls, of course. Uh, she was but, in Halloween too. Yep. Yeah. Or so, as well, I mean. But yeah. So anyway, it's still it's still one of my I, I can watch that movie. It's probably like you if you see something on I if I see it on when I'm not that I scan channels too much, but that I'm I'm in for it till the end. Then I just I can't not watch it. I'm with you. Yeah. If I see that on, same with The Shining too. I'll just leave it on. Shining is another one we can get into on another show, but that that you can dissect. Pretty detailed as well. But Carrie has, uh, if you're unfamiliar, check out Carrie. Sissy Spacek plays the lead character. Uh, it also stars a young John Travolta. He plays Billy. PJ Souls is Norma. And Edie McClurg is in there yes. too, who's also in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and every awesome John Hughes movie for the most part. She's great. She Awesome. I saw her, uh, met her a couple of years ago at the, one of the Hollywood shows. So she's. Awesome. I wish I knew you before COVID. We could have hung out and did all this stuff. Post COVID, we will. We will. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, where? When was the screening of Carrie at Downtown? 
Um, so it was the 40th anniversary, so that must have been 2016. No, I was alive and well living here. I wish I knew about that. I think that's when it was, so. And who? Also, did you, go ahead. Did you say Brian DePaulo was there? No, um, Brian you Fuller. Said, Brian uh, Fuller, I'm sorry. So Brian Fuller co-wrote or wrote the first Carrie remake. And he's, of course, known for uh, being the showrunner for most of Hannibal, the TV series, and lots of other fun stuff, so. Carrie has had, to me, I feel like it was inevitable they were always going to remake this and reboot it and do a sequel, of course. And you would expect that. You would actually hope for a sequel in some degree, just if you like the movie, just to see what they can do. doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And I felt like, as a big fan of Carrie, the sequel, I'm sorry, the, the reboot, the 2013, 14? So they did a TV version in um, 2002, and then they did a movie version in 2013. The movie version. Okay. What, when I watched that, I'm curious what you think. I felt like I just wanted to watch the original. Like it, it was in the same temperature as RoboCop, the remake, where I felt like, ah, ah the, the effects are really good, but I kind of want to see uh, Peter Weller, you know, shoot up those guys. What did you think about the 2013? I was really, yeah, so I remember there's a couple things they promised, and they always kind of promised, like, we're going to go back to the roots of the book, which they didn't really, because they, they, they kept no. going back to, they, they kept, if you read the book, obviously the book is pretty light, they kept going back to the actual Brian De Palma version, and they were, they were repeating stuff that wasn't in the book, and so I'm like, well, they're not really doing that. And there was just some weird things that, everything just kind of stuck out. I remember the, um, uh, she exploded the glass uh, drinking water thing and I was like in 2013 there is no longer glass jugs of water to you know they're all plastic and stuff like that so there's stuff that just like oh good point it, it just doesn't definitely doesn't make sense before and I think they began to touch on some of the social media stuff like um, showing a video of her and stuff like that but then they just kind of threw that away you know I'm like I I, I always wish and I, yeah. I remember when uh, they remade Psycho in 1998, and I remember yeah. this is kind of pre-internet, so there was rumors that everything was going to be exactly the same up until the shower scene, and then it was going to veer off. And I thought, oh, I this, that could be fun, you know, something different to kind of put audiences <laughs> on the edge of. Um, so I thought, keep keep wanting to do something like that, and they they didn't really. No, that was horrible. Yeah, and you're absolutely right with Carrie. They did say, and they do that with a lot of. Stephen King movies, they do it with a lot of movies. They're going to go back to the roots of the book, and it's going to be more of a, of a, of a adaptation of the book that's more faithful to the source. And it's, it's usually not. There's usually like a backstory they throw in there early on that is more faithful, but then it kind of dissipates, and that's it. Um, and you're right. It feels like that is a good point about the water jug. And it's, it reminds me of the stand of uh, Larry Underwood's mother's character they're in queens new york and she sounds like she's from nebraska and she's like ah oh, it pains me some i got my pills and if you're from queens you're gonna talk like this you're gonna say put sit out of the house what are you doing with the drugs what's that black guy you know like she was not from queens and yeah. i feel like the casting in a lot of his work not his problem it's the casting they they missed the mark um but the carry franchise there has been the original film, 1976. Correct. Uh, there was The Rage, which was the sequel in, 
what was that, 98? I think it was 94. I feel like I have to look it up because I think it was pre-screen. Um, the Rage Carry 2 was, oh, it was 99. 99, okay, I take it back. Oh, I remember I was in high school. I was like senior when I saw that. That's why I had it around that time. Uh, is the sequel. And then they did the television series in 2002 and the reboot in 2013. Um, what are your thoughts on, let's start with the sequel, The Rage. The Rage. Uh, we, we can always we'll weave back in and forth to the original and bring stuff up, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this. There's a lot of parts that I actually kind of liked in the sequel. Um, and one, obviously, if you bring a character back like Sue Snell, I mean, that... Uh, you kind of, you're kind of halfway there for me because I always think it's fun when they do get some of the original cast back, and especially uh, uh, and kind of not quite an iconic character, but you know that's a pretty memorable character. And obviously, Sissy Spacek gave it the um, the thumbs up because it was up to her uh, if they would use, allow her to use her uh, in flashbacks um, in the different scenes, and she agreed to. Do, she watched the film and she agreed to do that. So, so we know she saw Carrie too. Or the the rage she saw yeah and she she let them use uh, her images and stuff uh, which certainly helps there's there's pieces I like it's a lot obviously a lot darker film um, um, and it's uh, I do like the I know the tattoo kind of growing thing people are kind of make fun of it but it's kind of something different uh, we can't yeah. be pouring uh, blood on her again um, and and you really kind of hated that those nasty kids so yeah it was like the kid from I remember it was the kid. I haven't seen it since the theaters, but I I did see it twice. I liked the movie. I'm, pr- I'm probably due to rewatch it. But I remember it was the kid from uh, Home Improvement was like one of the jocks. Oh yeah, yeah, he was one of the bad ones. Yeah, and you really did hate the. No, I I did see it once. I think uh, I think it was on HBO one time uh, after. But you really do hate those guys, and you really, um, without giving any too many spoilers, when she gets her revenge, when she gets the rage. Uh, she makes him feel it. And I always felt bad for that guy, the guy from uh, uh, Dazed and Confused that was also in that movie. He, he like, really loved Carrie. Yeah. And uh, you felt bad for him. He kind of was the... He was a little bit of a kind of a combination of the Sue Snell, Billy... Not Billy Nolan. Um, I just forgot his character. Uh, but, but, yeah, he's the one that kind of gets suckered into... The gang is trying to find his way kind of back and forth. So, um, and Emily Burgle is great. I mean, she's a great actress. As yeah. Rachel. Um, so I thought she she was a s- super solid in the movie. If you had anybody less than her, I don't think the movie would be as strong as it was. I agree. She really pulled it off. Um, I thought it was well done. I thought it was good. I like how they show uh, the old school a little bit in The Rage, which... That's kind of why I like sites like yours. Uh, you know, these old and abandoned sites I love, too. Uh, these To see what things look like today and how yeah. they've aged. I think it's, it's art. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, I thought that was a cool part of the movie. Yeah, I, I, I like that part uh, for the most part when they, they see the old school. And you do wonder, it's like it's been almost two decades. I'm sure they would have cleaned it up by now. Yeah, uh, it was that but, that wasn't the same school though, was it? No, no, it's supposed to be. That was an old um, uh, mill, I think, that they found that they ju- they just used. But I know they did. I don't know if they filmed it, but in the script there was a sh- uh, there was supposed to be a shot where uh, one of the I think Sue or somebody or I think uh, Rachel kicks a kicks a bucket 
that she finds as as they're walking around, which is supposed to be the bucket, which same thing. That would have probably yeah. brought people out. I'm like, well, I'm sure somebody, the police would have taken the bucket of blood at some point. <laughs> did you, did you cover Carrie too? I did, did not. Your... So that was filmed in North Carolina and I've not been out to those locations yet, but okay. on my list, actually, I was going to go to North Carolina actually this fall after Halloween kills comes out, but obviously that keeps getting shifted now till next year. So, I'll do, I like uh, the trailer for Halloween Kills, the teaser, I do the little teaser. Absolutely. So let it burn. I was, I was a little been. hesitant to watch it at first because I'm like, oh, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. I want to know too much, but it gave just enough of the taste of it that I was excited. Yeah, it gets you hungry. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Rage Carry Two. I don't know how that did in theaters. I think it was a bomb. Yeah, and that's why in my mind it was before. It came and went. Yeah, but it was actually after, and so I think it was, it might have been the tail end of, uh, after all of our urban legends and all these horror movies came out, that they were probably just trying to continue that kind of cash cow. But yeah, yeah by 99, it kind of felt like we were on the tail end of that, um, and Scream 3, I think, came out that year or the year after, so it's kind of felt, we, we had kind of finished that that era. That, yeah, it was, it, was ty- it was an exhaustive era, too. When Scream came in and destroyed everything, that's a great flick. I mean, they were just doing like Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. Remember, there was a movie I saw. You know what it is. It was just about like oh, Valentine yeah. Killer. I, they I, were doing I, anything. If there was yeah. a holiday, like we're gonna do a horror movie on it because they were just trying to like cat, you know, cash in on all those fans. But it rem- I thought when I during that time, I thought, oh, this is what it must have been like to be, you know, if you're a teenager between 1979 and 1983, where all these oh yeah came out like every weekend you just go see a new horror movie and terror train and prom night and uh, uh what have you and i'm like oh this is kind of what it was like you know at the time that uh a lot of them were not good but you had your good choice point. yeah a lot of them were great though better than anything they've made in the last 10 years for the most part it it did help because if you remember right before screen horror is really trying to find its way and it was a lot of you know mimic and these kind of things that weren't very good yeah. and mimic yeah, you know, and that's what I kind of remember. The Frighteners. Like, yeah, it just, it was, something wasn't hitting, and then just the, the slasher renaissance happened, and uh, that was good, so. Yeah, they uh, go it, through waves. They went, then the zombie renaissance came, like, four years later. Um, yep. And then The Walking Dead came, and then that kind of just took over for a while. Uh, that's a gr- good analysis, though. It was, like, the early, late 70s, early 80s. Where you see a new. If you look at the two, like uh, the Friday the Thirteenth and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, they were doing a movie like every other year. Sometimes mm-hmm. the year after. Yeah. You didn't Sometimes go well, a, an entire late. year in the '80s without one of those films having, which is pretty cool if you think about it. Now you have to wait like five years. Yeah, which I'm probably okay with, but uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, even you know, uh, a new beginning came out 11 months after the final chapter, so things were. They were they were churning them out pretty quickly. Tell me again the Blu-ray release of Friday the Thirteenth. It's the box set, right? The entire yeah. thing. It's a new box set, and there's a lot of um, a lot of extras. I know Justin Beam is working on. I did most of the extras. Um, I know some of the highlights uh, in particular is uh, Part Three is going to be an actual 3D. So for those that have 3D televisions, um, you're going to be able to see that for the first time. Uh, part Two, they have the un edited cut i'm not sure if that's what they're calling it but 
uh, somebody on the crew, uh, I think the effects guy, had hold, held on to before it got submitted to the MPAA and everything got cut out. So all the original gore footage and stuff like that. So it it's oh. supposed to be in pretty good quality, obviously not film quality, but this will be the first time that we've seen uh, the the actual gore from Pride 13th Part 2 before it got cut out. So there's a lot of a lot oh. of good stuff uh, for fans uh, on this box. What about the Ed Dagan 4? I don't Bad. know. I think that one they showed on the last Blu-ray. You're talking about the original ending, or one of the original endings, so yeah. I don't think they ever found the sound for that. Um, no, because I watched it without the sound on some website. I don't yeah. think they had the sound. No, it's somewhere they, it's, it's they some... lost sound, and so I think Kimberly Beck was just relaying kind of uh, what was happening uh, on the screen. So they could uh, add that in now. They could always, you know, they could find a way. So, but um, yeah, that ending just didn't work either. So I'm not sure. No, Probably yeah, play. it wouldn't have fit. There's a reason it was left yeah. on the floor. Uh, that's really cool, though. Um, real quick, back to Carrie. I want to give our listeners here's who's in the Rage Carrie Two. Uh, the lead is Emily Burgle. Uh, it also has. Mita Savari. She was the chick that killed herself at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So Spoiler she, alert. <laughs> yeah, just ruin it for everybody. Well, uh, she's only in there the first, like, five minutes or something. Yeah. But, you know, I think she was pretty... She was kind of known at the time. Um, so yeah. I think... Uh, I, and I don't know... I don't think they were they were really doing a, a Janet Lee and Psycho thing. Um, but I think it was... Yeah. I remember watching. I was kind of shocked that I just kind of assumed she would be the friend till the end type of character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has Zachary Ty Bryan, who is best known as uh, the oldest kid in Home Improvement. Uh, you got Eddie K. It, Thomas, who is also in American Pie with yep. Minna. Yeah, you're right. Jason Paul London is who I was talking about. Okay. The guy that was a daisy confused. Yep. Uh, Eddie K. Thomas is in there. He was uh, like her friend. Yeah, I think it's one of the the nerdy friends, if I remember. So yeah, and then he was think, Fitch, right? Yeah. Okay. And is it Rachel Blanchard? Is she the one? There was a um, yeah. Alicia she Silverstone, Monica. like yeah. Yeah, she was in there. Yeah. Um, she was also in Snakes on a Plane. Oh, that's right. I think she. Actually, I think she looked about the same. Uh, yeah, but it has like some cool actors in there, and um, I feel like. Not on this show, obviously, but I feel like on a future show, we do need to do... Robert and I have been discussing the idea. We have to figure out how it works logistically, but live streaming a film so you can see it, too. Uh, 99% sure I know how to do this. Uh, and then we do commentary, because I would love to watch, you know, during COVID and everything, it would be good to let fans watch this movie, and you have all your fans from the show, and kind of hear your commentary as it goes on. Uh, with a horror film of sorts. Absolutely. Especially if there's locations. We can point out exactly where things are happening. So Right. Yeah, you could say, well, well, that's, you know, I was there. This is, and, you know, we could always pause it and do like a thing. I just think that would be cool. Maybe have people do like Q&A. I don't know how that works. I'll put it together. You just have to show up if you want to do it. But we'll make it work because I think that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be fun. So, And I shall say Carrie, too, is directed by Kat Shea. Um, I know she was yes. brought on... I think the original director was let go, and then she was brought on super last minute. Or I think they had actually already been filming. So, um, and actually going back to Psycho Three, she played Patsy in Psycho Three, uh, the 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 girl that gets killed on the toilet. Uh, oh yeah, that's so actually her. And so I think that was one of her last acting roles. 
Um, even though she does show up as the deputy, I think, or, or sheriff. And, and you're right. Too, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Robert Mandel was the director that was that he'd left. He's he did uh, School Ties. I think that was like his only like really big film. Okay. But he left over creative differences, according to this. And then that's when Cat Shea came in. Which cheers to her for pulling that off because that's not easy. I mean, you see that a lot when a director leaves, and you know it's just awful. Yeah, and I think I remember she talked either on the DVD or something about that. And I can imagine how difficult it is to like, you know, here's your new boss and. Some people might have loved the last director, or some people don't like change, and you know that that's a lot to kind of take on, and let alone the, the pressures coming from the studio and all these other things, and just trying to to make the film your own as well. So I think with, with all those things kind of going against it, uh, the film turned out much better than uh, it, it probably should have. Oh yeah, there I forget what movie it was, uh, but I was reading an article where Sean Connery left a film while it was just starting. He already filmed a few scenes because they were so disorganized with changing directors and that they would fax in updated scripts like every day. They were just rewriting it and finally just said like, fuck it, uh, you keep the money. Because that happens a lot in Hollywood. Uh, there's a lot of disorganization. There's a lot of, hey, we got this great script. Here's the money. Let's do it. And then they don't logistically think of like stuff that won't work so they try to rewrite it. But I feel like they pulled it off for the most part with this film yeah and there was some weird i, I there's other there's some, like quirky things that i liked in the film too like when sue uh, snell's helping rachel's mother escape from the asylum and they have this kind of weird boppy 70s music which was a total callback to the original carrie as they're kind of escaping it stuck out in the film and i think people in the audiences had no idea what was going on but um, i thought that was kind of a little nod to the original film good point i think you're right the Rage Carry 2 uh, was the sequel, of course. After that came the TV series. That was miniseries, right? It was a miniseries. I think it was two nights, if I remember right. So, What are uh, your thoughts on this cinematic masterpiece? So there was one. I thought they had a perfect casting. And, um, uh, so I guess, this, go back to the original. Sissy Spacek just obviously owned that role of Carrie. There, nobody, nobody can touch her uh, in that. But yeah, it's it's like uh, Jack Torrance in The Shining. Yeah, no, nobody else could do it. You can Jack Nicholson. It's that's it. Um, but uh, Angela Bettis, who I thought was perfect for the role of Carrie, if you're going to have somebody new kind of taking over that role, she had. <coughs> excuse me. She was kind of brittle and frail and nervous, and uh, she was like to me just super believable. I'm like, oh, that's kind of the perfect Carrie that you would see in school and and she was she she kind of brought everything to the role and i don't know if she did may before or after this um which is a little bit a similar character um but i thought one that was just kind of perfect for her and then um uh the the woman that paid play, that pa uh, played her mother her name is escaping me now um but uh, N nobody can beat Piper Laurie either. Patricia Clarkson. Patricia Clarkson. So she's great. I remember her like she was in Six Feet Under and she's been in a lot of great stuff. And she kind of brought a little something different to the role. Uh, but she she did not bring the theatrics of Piper Laurie. No. Or, or that wild hair. Either. She was also in The Untouchables, which is a Brian De Palma film as well. They're all, they're I mean, this all isn't a Brian De Palma film, but the original so. was. Um, so, so this one actually did actually go back to the book more. So they used the same 
format of the book. So if you, if, for those that read the book, it was, uh, there's, it's kind of split up and they were uh, into a lot of news stories and interviews with the FBI. And so uh, Sue Snell is kind of uh, interspersed throughout as well as Norma uh, being interviewed by the police. And so it would be, you know, uh, present day and they would flash back, uh, back and forth different scenes. So they actually used the same format as the book and then they actually had a couple scenes. I know this one starts with the uh, the rocks falling from the sky, which they shot for the original film. That just did not work. Um, but they kind of replicated it here with some not not as good CGI, I guess I'll say, is the nice way to say it. Yeah, I agree. TV CGI. Not as bad as the Langoliers CGI, though. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, they use it sparingly. Um, this yeah, one also had respect. a good... Um, um, I keep wanting to call him Billy Nolan, and that's not the right character. Uh, Tommy Tommy Ross character. Um, so I think this and the next one had good Tommy Ross characters that you kind of believed in and felt sorry for. So yeah, and it and it worked. You yeah, just what you said. You you believed it. You get it. Or some of the other ones, you're like, trying kind of kind of phoned it in. Um, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Girl went, went, went on to be in Lost. Uh, she played the pregnant girl in Lost, I remember. Yeah, and she's so... I don't know why, but in Lost, she's so much cuter when she's pregnant. Is that what you mean? I don't, I don't mean that like a fetish or she's sexy. I just mean, you just... I don't know. She was just like cute. You liked her more. Yeah. You know, it like coincided where when she um, kind of got a little crazy on the, the other third parallel. Uh, yeah. But she's a great actress. That Lost is tremendous. I don't know if you if you're a Lost fan. I well, I was one of those that you know the first few seasons, and then it kind of, it kind of petered out for me. But uh, but yeah, so the, yeah. The, the the kids were more they were actually more teenagers. There was more up to date in this one. Uh, Catherine Isabel played one of the the mean girls as well, and she went on to be uh, in Hannibal as Margot Verger, uh, which was a great role for her. Um, so it, it, it kind of like almost kind of like the psycho remake that they were hitting all the notes, but the medley just wasn't the same. This was in Va- Vancouver. This was filmed, right? Yes, yeah, so this is Vancouver. So it kind of did you hit this site? I did. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the, the the school, I think they all, all shot at one school. I remember they they CGI'd windows that they're supposed to. It's all I remember it was all cement. Um, the house was in Carrie's house was in North Vancouver. Um, but, but yeah, so it's a, uh, when, when I see films to me and you probably do that now too, I'm like, you could just tell it's Canada versus the United States. I'm not sure what, what, what it is about the aesthetics, uh, but you can always tell Canada, Canada versus, uh, United States and different things. Yeah. I'm getting really good at it. I watched, uh, black summer again. It's a Netflix zombie mini series. Okay. And I remember thinking when I first saw it right off the bat, I was like, ah, this is not the United States. That's Canada. So I, I, I IMDb beat it. And of course, it was filmed like in Vancouver or Toronto or something like that. But um, even at the beginning of this, the miniseries, they're like in a neighborhood. And I'm like, it, it, you, might have, you could have told me that's Boise, Idaho, and I would have believed you. But just something about it, I was like, ah, that's not the U.S. And then they were trying to get to the stadium. And... Uh, once you see like the area, you know that's Toronto, and uh, it's not like any U.S. city with a stadium. It's a soccer stadium, of course. But um, yeah, I'm starting to get good at that. Your site probably helps with that too. Yeah, yeah. The more I visit, I remember when I visited Carrie's house. The owner wasn't home, but the neighbor was, and he had lived there when they were shooting. And 
and I think if I remember, they were they were kind of upset because they, they shot too many nights or some that was loud. They were louder than they thought. So as as much as people get excited that film's coming to town, uh, it becomes it becomes an annoyance, uh, as you know, for uh, Los Angeles uh, for sure. They probably they know that's the business of their town, but uh, yeah, it does get to be annoying. Yeah, we have a saying out here. It's uh, when there's a uh, film set going on. And it's an inconvenience. Like one time they were, they shut down Hollywood Boulevard, uh, you know, where like the Dolby Theater is, like the center of Hollywood. And the saying is like, oh, what narcissistic piece of shit production is being done today? Like which, what, what passion project did somebody need to fulfill to cut this down? But for the most part, um, they don't really bother people because they usually do very early and it's sealed off by like a block. You, you know, you get yeah. it. They're not, it's not like you're shutting down a town. It's usually a block. So if you can just find a way around, it's usually no big deal. But it can be an inconvenience. They film where I live a lot here. I live in Tarzana okay. and I live on the Tarzana Safari Walk. It's a stretch of Ventura Boulevard that they use a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that's on your site. But they film a lot of the shop scenes here because there's a lot of like cafes. So we see that a lot. Um, Entourage, <laughs> when Entourage was still being filmed it was like every other weekend or every other week there was they were filming something here um but yeah for the most part you know you just live with it um but yeah the looking at films and seeing that they're in canada or georgia i'm starting to get pretty good at it i thank the set jetter for setting me straight um i got questions about your some of your visits but i'm gonna wait till after the carry section if you have some time Go for it. We have a lot of questions. But uh, so back to Carrie, the miniseries. What did you not like about this? Because I trust you as a critic. I trust your opinion. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't like the, the cinematography. It was really overblown. And I think maybe because it was TV. It was shot for TV. And it kind of had a really kind of standard definition, still high definition. That's what I remember. It just didn't look, it didn't look cinematic. Um, and then... Um, Probably something similar, like we said before, it's, it doesn't bring a whole lot new to the game. Um, so as good as Angela Bettis was, I was like, she just it wasn't wasn't resonating for me. And then, as you know, I don't know if we're spoiling stuff, but it was being made more or less to possibly have a series, carry the series. And so it ended in a way that was strange to me. Are we spoiling things? Do people care? No, no, that's okay. I think it's okay. But, I think at uh, the beginning of the show we gave a blanket spoiler alert. So people, if you haven't seen this movie, TV movie from 18 years ago, then <laughs> it's too late. But, but really? as you know, so like Carrie's wearing a blonde wig and they're visiting the grave and they're going to go. Her and Sue Snell are going to go off on adventures, and I was like, oh, all right, like, all right. <laughs> I feel like, and I liked it, but I feel like it was a really, really good student film, in a way. Like, yeah, these guys really pulled off this great senior project. But like you said about the cinematography, and it's kind of HD, uh, yeah, I feel like they probably scrimped on the budget a lot with yeah. what they could have made it. And that was kind of the, the era, early 2000s. TV was still, like, sitcom was still king. You know, Lost wasn't around yet. The Sopranos was, uh, you, you paid for HBO. It was still, like, sitcoms and miniseries like this. It wasn't, like today where they'll spend more money on the crown for netflix than like yeah. any movie in the last five years you know like it's well that's not true they, uh, there's a lot of movies that they spend a lot of money but they 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 spend the dough now we're back 
you know, early 2000s, unless yeah. it was like friends, they weren't really doing that. And if you compare it to, I mean, it's, if you're comparing it to the original, you know, De Palma had, was so cinematic and the colors and the composition, uh, uh, that's what beautiful. they were competing with. And yeah, it's so, be- beautifully shot. Yeah. Don't you think, the original? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, I, a, he's a filmmaker's filmmaker. Absolutely. And I was trying to remember the, the blood. There, there's pieces of it I kind of like that were, I think, more from the book when, um, you know, they, they got the blood, you know, uh, pretty okay. And then she scrunched her eyes and opened them up and kind of had the same shocked face and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but You're yeah, right. so there, there's pieces that worked. And I think I kind of remember that from the book that, you know, that her eyes were kind of, um, that's how she kind of opened them. Um, but then there's just pieces that, that did not, and they, they did try to do more town destruction. They kind of let all that go in the original carry. They couldn't, couldn't do it. And they, so they did have a little bit more of that because of the budget. Yeah. Destroying the gas station and stuff like that. Which Um, I I thought helped this film. Yeah. It it brought in that universe of, you know, what, what else is happening there? Well, anytime you blow up a gas station, it's clearly a nod to Night (laughs) of the Living Dead. You know, if you read IMDb, I read, I'm a cinephile with IMDb. I read trivia for everything. That's like my morning paper. And, uh, there are so many IMDb trivia lines that are like, uh, the gas station was a nod to Night of the Living Dead. There must be 300 nods to Night of the Living Dead's gas station. I don't think they all are. I think somebody just wrote it. Um, do you think that was, that was a part of it or no? I don't think. I, I think that might have been in the book. Is yeah, it was. Thinking. So, yeah, so that's where I don't think Kate it was is funny though. to the Living Dead or anything. But. I do like the nods, though, to Night of the Living Dead. Uh which brings us to the 2013 film, Carrie. Uh, did you, I'm going to guess you saw this during the theatrical release. I did. I was, ex- I was excited. I mean, we, we go to horror movies because, you know, like, uh, we need to... As, be- you, as you should. And part of me is like, Let, let's go see it because I want horror movies to keep being released theatrically. So even, I should say, not all the bad ones, but I'm like, I want, I want to see what they were doing. Um, casting this was a little bit different. Um, uh, Chloe um, Grace Moretz was probably horribly miscast that um, I don't think I kind of believed her as the outsider for a minute. Uh, no, no she's too cute and like nice. Scraggly her hair was or something, you know, like um, uh, and they didn't, to me they didn't even try to make her kind of look outcast either way. And now that it's all about physical stuff, as we know for those that have gone through, whether through high school, it doesn't matter what you look like really, whether, you know, you're beautiful or not that everybody has been bullied in, in kind of one way or the other of um, course guilty as charged i am a beautiful man and i was bullied so bad i had to change schools in sixth grade so fuck you bullies yeah you're probably working at a gas station now that's a nod to night of the living dead that's another nod yeah so but that but goes I, back to why I think carrie keeps getting remade or kind of revisited is because this is still an issue this is still uh, you know, people, um, this is kind of almost kind of a fantasy revenge uh, that um, you finally get back at all the pretty people that have uh, done you wrong, uh, especially in high school. That's that's brilliant. I never even thought it that way. I kind of was just thinking it, well, it's such a, it was such a successful film and a, people love the source novel. They're just going to keep making it because it's a money thing and it, it's a nod to Stephen King, but... It's true, though, in today's culture with bullying and, and anti-bullying campaigns and how that's ramped up, it's more topical now than ever. And with 
you know, school shootings and anything. I'm not correlating the, the there's no relationship between the two, but I'm saying it's definitely something that's in our cultural zygust uh, all the time about bullying. And this, this is like the first film that really addressed that on a large scale. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you uh, a fan of the 2013 film? I am not. Um, Judy Greer's they, finest role, though. <laughs> she's Next always. I, I'm a huge, uh, huge Arrested Development person, so she yeah. immediately takes me out of uh, uh, every time I see her in a non-comedic role. Even though she has, she has some funny little lines in here, um, I think that are pretty good. Yeah. Um, Julianne Moore, I mean, top ten actress. Um, but again, kind of like with Patricia Clarkson, I'm like, I don't know quite what she was. I, I felt like they were repeating too much from going back to the original film um, as opposed to kind of kind of bringing something new. But And she did have some new... I mean, I did like seeing her at work and she was kind of doing some self-harm uh, to herself as she was dealing with um, a different mother who was also kind of uh, bullying her in a different way. So I, I was glad to kind of see that aspect of Margaret White uh, rather than just being holed up in her house, that she actually had a life outside as well. I feel like they didn't need to make it in the sense that uh, they exaggerated a lot. Like a lot of the stuff that didn't need to be exaggerated, they the acting was like kind of a little over the top sometimes. And when I watched it, I didn't see it theatrically. I, I read it, I watched it on VOD. I thought it was kind of forced. Like uh, it's, I, I felt like whoever did it wasn't really a huge fan of Carrie. It was just like a money grab, and let's do this. I'm sure the director and the writer were, you know, did their homework, but the whoever like greenlit this with this, I, I felt like it was sloppily put together. I don't know if you picked up on that, but it, it, there were so many things that could have been better. It yeah, didn't bring anything new to the table was what I took away from it. Exactly. That's where I kept feeling like we had talked a little bit earlier. They kept going back to the original movie, uh, not the original book, or um, I think the best either remakes or reboots or where they take pieces of it, um, but then kind of do their own thing. And I know this is not necessarily when I think about like the Dawn of the Dead remake pieces of it, some of the similar settings, but they yeah. went off and did their, their own thing. So um, we, you didn't know what to expect scene by scene. It wasn't a play by play. This I like that movie. You were, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I remember, was that the first running zombie movie, if I remember right? Uh, I think 28 Days... Oh, later yeah. was i could be wrong but it was around that time um also shot in toronto um yes but, uh but yeah yes, so I, they brought different things to it so as a if you're a horror fan you're 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 not always pre-guessing what's going to be happening next because you don't know what's going to happen next and same with a uh, kind of general audience member they're just in it for for the thrill ride and yeah um with real quick with uh Dawn of the Dead. You're talking about the 2002 one, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, they, I feel like they should have t taken a page out of their book with that, where they use certain things from the source material and the original, but then they kind of run with it. You know, it's like remaking a song. Unless you do it completely different, there's no point of doing it because the original is always better. Like when Jessica Simpson did Take My Breath Away from Top Gun, it was just her doing like karaoke of the song. And you're like, do something different. Um, but they do that a lot with films, and they should have ran with it a little bit and gave little nods of, you know, tributes here and there, but they didn't bring anything new to the table with it. It was and, kind of phoned in. 
and that's probably a good analogy. This is just a cover song of the original film. Um, we uh, same verses, uh, some same lyrics, um, a little bit different instruments, maybe, but uh, same tempo, everything. Yep, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I, they're doing another one, I believe, right? Uh, another carry? Yeah. I don't know. I, think I don't I, either. I was hoping you would, and you would leak something here. I, I don't know. I hope they don't, honestly. But yeah, I, respect I think... the originals. It's like The Shining. They did the miniseries, and they did the one with Ryan Reynolds. I'm sorry, not Ryan Reynolds with um... Ian McGregor. Yeah, Wait, Stephen Weber. Stephen Ryan Weber's... Reynolds did Amityville Horror. That's another yes. one that should have died. The original Wait. classic. I, I don't and... think any man in the '70s had Ryan Reynolds' body like that. I don't know. No. <laughs> Although James Brolin was a man's man in, oh, that, yeah. in the Amityville. Cut the, uh, the wood. I got, you know, and uh, you can eat your own damn wood and cake. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Hilarious, scary, perfect horror movie to me. That's yeah. up there with Carrie. It's still, I, I still remember that one fondly as well. Margot Kidder is great. She's great. Yeah. She's a pretty actress, too. Um, that was when she was doing, like, Superman, or right before Superman. So she was, like, in her zone. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, remaking these, I, you don't need to do it. And Amityville Horror is another one. They did like five sequels that they did more than five, but they did like yeah. three sequels that were theatrically released, and then they just kept going to DVD. And it's like that movie Fan- Phantasm. They go to is that the one where they do like endless sequels on DVD? Yes. Yeah. It kind of mu- muddles the medium. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Amityville did. I mean, there was one called like The Dollhouse. Where it was like, oh, you know, one with Bert. I think the sequel had Bert Young from Rocky in there. I mean, they they just they went down very quickly. And I feel like Carrie, you got to respect it. You know, if you're going to do it, you got to do it respectfully. I always thought they should. Uh, my my version I wanted to see was Carrie, C A R E Y, like the male version of Carrie, uh, to put a little spin on it. Ooh, yeah, Something different. That's what they should do. We should omit this section of the show so you could get. To work it's writing different. a treatment for it, but you're but absolutely right. Different, you know. Yeah. Um, so there it is. There is the set jetter. There's Robert Patterson's take on the Carrie franchise, which I feel like I I, I need to rewatch the original. I'm not going to watch the other. One. Maybe maybe the Rage I'll watch again, but I don't think I'm going to revisit the other ones. It's a. It's a, I call uh, those movies uh, movies to fold laundry by. They're kind of in the background. Uh, <laughs> Good call. You, you only have to pay a little bit. To, you pay attention to what you want in the movie. Otherwise, you kind of do your own thing. I, I feel like this Halloween month, we need to do like... We, we've talked about doing shows on Saturdays and stuff, which I'm all yeah. about. But I think Halloween, we need to ramp up like a horror movie like Marathon of Robert Patterson. Unless you're traveling and COVID I is cured by that. I don't think I'm traveling, so I'm I'm working on buying a new house. So Congratulations. Um, I should be moved in by then. So if you begin to see messiness behind me, we're we're starting to purge and pack uh, just to get ready for that. But we're That's a good thing that. though, right? It's like rebirth. You're getting rid of like baggage and you oh, feel yeah. good. Well, I'm excited because um I have a lot of movie wardrobe and props and stuff like that that are just literally in boxes. I thought I'd like to dis- uh, display uh, some of it if that's possible. Where are you going? What's that? Where are you moving to? Um and so I'm going to stay in Omaha. Actually actually it's Bellevue, Nebraska, so it's Bell uh, Oh, right, Bellevue. You did yeah, say right that. Below Omaha, so 
it'll be a lot closer to work. It'll be a brand new house. I share a house with my sister, so um, I'll be working on uh, working with the contractor to design the basement. But I thought, well, I want to put out something so you can see some of my props. Um, the one from your sister was the one of the Jurassic World video. Yes, that is her. So oh, cool. Welcome. Well, congratulations on the new digs. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. But I actually have wardrobe from the Carrie, as much as I dislike the movie. Uh, I have Billy Nolan's, a couple of Billy Nolan's outfits from the 2013 Carrie. What? How did you get those? So some films are really good when uh, uh, the movies are, are being premiered or they're coming out. They have um, uh, auctions and stuff like that. So a New Line Cinema used to be great about that. I have like stuff from Final Destination 2 and some other movies. So um, oh, That's cool. Um, I think I have a couple of prom uh, outfits from extras and then a couple of billy nolan's outfits so i was excited wow. that it could just fit into his jeans at the time i don't know if i can anymore oh you should that's a that's a conversation piece i know every you have some, what's that every once in a while i do i do wear my the wardrobe out so um eight mile yeah. was playing at alamo a few months ago pre-covid and i actually have uh, a couple of mckay pfeiffer's outfits so i actually no wore mckay pfeiffer's outfits in the film to the movie so which was whoa that's really cool I know you have some Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, too, like the door. Yeah, so I have the door. Um, so that actually is displayed right now. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. A lot of stuff from Halloween H2O. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, Terminator 3, I have John Connor's outfit from the beginning scene where he's a... Uh, uh, Whoa, where... you need to start a museum. Well, yeah, that's why I have a lot of stuff. Like, too much stuff and not enough room. As Indiana Jones says, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> I feel like you should build your new house out of props for movies. So every article in that house of clothing and furniture is from a film. Like, oh, see that drawer? Yeah, it's from Silence of the Lambs. See that candle over there? Carrie, too. You know, just hope you're like, whoa. But that's cool, man. You should, uh, I say you should. It, it's Like, it's very easy to do. But you should do like a website or something on that. That's cool stuff. I do. If I do have props, I do put them on my page just to kind of show people what I have. But and we do have some props. So like um, our toaster is actually Dewey's toaster from Scream Four, um, and then the popcorn bucket that Emma Roberts is eating out at the end. Uh, I have that, and that's kind of up on display and stuff like that. And you actually use that stuff? Yeah. So we actually use the toaster. <laughs> the toaster you use to make toast. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. It ended up being a deleted scene. Um, and then we have some, some of our bases, I think, are from Scream 4. But I think that's all I have from the Scream series is some of that stuff. Yeah, go to set-jetter.com and click on on the set at the top. You're going to see a bunch of links. I see a, you still have my original blog. What, what, is that just the old one that you don't update? Yeah, actually, and I, I stopped putting new stuff on there, but I also put... Every time I, I create a new page on our website or anniversary, I put a couple of photos just to kind of keep that going so it's not a completely dead blog. Um, That's good so, that you keep a little, a little alive. Yeah. So uh, if I remember, j just so one, it's more out there and if people are still visiting that, um, it'll, it'll cling to more. It'll link to my page for some more pictures and stuff like that. But I know that's where I started, so I didn't want to let it. You know, when yeah. people visit stuff, I'm like, oh, this has been updated since 2012 or something. So I want to. Make sure that stays fresh, too. It's nice you do that, because there are times where you go to a cool site and you're, like, updated in 2008. I, there's, I always, not always, but often I'll, I'll Google the set of the film signs 
because I used to live like five minutes from there when they were filming it. And I always like thought it would be cool to see like on set pictures of what it was look like. Cause I couldn't really get in the set. I only got so far and there's like only one website that has pictures of that. And it's so bad. It's like from 2002, the website's bad and there's only like six pictures and that that's all that comes up cause it's forever indexed. Yeah. Um, but it's like depressing when you go to a website. You're looking around, and it's like, uh, yeah, updated 2000, you know, copyright 2005, and you're like, ah, oh, this, it's dead. So I applaud you for keeping things like fresh, even if it's an old website. Yeah, and I I still go back to it because like, um, I finally did catalog all my pictures. Uh, just to, so as I'm searching and redoing websites, um, re- redoing my website. So I, I'm trying to remember where when I took these pictures and so forth. So I actually added a couple of carry ones today because I forgot I had visited a location but had not posted about it yet. So, and that's from the end of Carrie where she's walking, she's after prom, she's walking by herself and Chris and Billy come in their car and she does that turn and they kind of, she yeah. move around her and she, they kind of flip the car. So um, a, a peer of mine found that I'd been looking for that spot and there's not too many clues. And so Paul H is his name, and he uh, he used to be on the Halloween um, uh, talk not discussion boards uh, quite a bit. And for some reason, if you think I'm good, he just blows me out of the water. He finds stuff that I thought was kind of impossible to find, and so he he found this one off uh, in Santa Clarita. And there's a couple houses that you can see in the distance that match up perfectly still that are still there. I think I think you're better. Well, no, I, I owe a lot to. <laughs> no, that's cool. For sure. That's nice, you guys. It's like a small community. You guys, a lot of you keep in touch, I see. And he doesn't, I don't think he even lives in the United States. Um, so I don't know what tricks he has. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so if I You guys keep in touch, though, right? You got, I mean, a lot of the websites have links to your site. I think that's actually how I found your site way back when. It was linked somewhere. It's probably just a Google search. Yeah. But I see that a lot. It's good. It's like a friendly community, I would, I would think. Well, like Cobra Kai, um, I went to all the L.A. locations, and my friend went to a lot of the Atlantic locations, and so I just put a link to his website. I haven't been to the Atlanta ones, but my friend has, so you can check out all the uh, the other spots there. I did see those. Yeah, I watched the Atlanta one. I, I, it was a cool companion piece in a way, too. You had the L.A. ones, which are here. It's right where I live. Like uh, The apartment okay. is right there. Uh, you can walk a few feet and see where Johnny's you know, exterior was. Uh, and then the Atlanta ones, which is really cool. So it's cool. I saw you guys. Yeah, it was like a cool piece. If you go to uh, setgenerator.com, here are some of the reasons why you posted. You have Hell Knight from 1981. This was uh, August 28th you posted this. You have War of the Worlds, the original. Which surprisingly, a lot of those uh, photos still look, the sets still look similar. Yeah, so there's a couple spots. So Kind of uh, interesting. A couple churches in that. And actually, one of the churches he goes into the end is the same church from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, where they get the holy water. He steals the holy water. Oh. So I'd been to that location. I recognized it immediately. I didn't need to look it up. But yeah, that's the same church. That cathedral-looking church. Yes, the cathedral one, the outside of it is, uh, I think that's in Glendale. And when he walks up to the door and goes inside, that's all the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 church. Uh, oh, this is pretty cool. I didn't realize it was you. You did this before. 
If you ever po- you never posted this one before. No, it just happened to be the anniversary, so I don't think I'd posted that before. So it's... the other thing I give you credit for, you post on this day, you do it on an anniversary date for the most part, which is pretty cool. And you do, I do like on your Instagram a lot of the posts. You do a little tagline of the movie or like the most famous line or whatever, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And I love when you posted back at me. And you're like, yep, the one you've all been waiting for. The worst movie ever. The, they didn't even sue it for ripping off E.T. because it was so bad. They're like, just give it to them. We don't even want to like publicize this. It's funny because like, that one in particular, and I'm sure 99% of people are like, who the hell is going to Mac and Me locations? Or who would research and try to figure out where the Mac and Me locations are? Yeah. Located. But every once in a while, you know, I'll be seeing, watch something, and, and Mac and Me is kind of notorious in a different way for, for being so bad. And I think I look, I'm like, I don't think anybody's researched or tried to figure out those locations yet. And so I kind of decided to take it up and, and go look for that house. It's a cult film, too. I mean, people definitely are going to, it's so bad, it's good kind of thing. They're definitely going to look for it. Yeah. That McDonald's is, uh, uh, is the, it's the fake McDonald's that's, that's only used for commercials. Uh, so, uh, they oh. keep, yeah. So whenever you see McDonald's commercials, it's usually it's out in the city of industry. It's not too far from uh, the Dr. Loomis phone booth location from the original Halloween. Um, really? But, uh, but yeah, so this is a McDonald's that they only use it for productions. Um, and, but they keep it updated. So that way they don't have to close down a McDonald's to shoot a commercial. They just have always McDonald's ready to go. So it's just a storefront and, and like a shell just for commercials? I think, actually, it's, I think it's real inside. I mean, I don't think they, they don't make food or, you know, they can during the commercials. But um, and it's all gated, so you can't really get too close to it. But, uh, but oh, yeah, that's, that's so cool. The Mac and me as well. The house is in Calabasas, California. Traffic yeah, looks yeah. good on the 405. It looks the same. Yeah. I see what you're talking about. City of Industry, this uh, fake McDonald's. Um. Interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, Bryce, watched it with his kids the other uh, the night. Uh, not the other the other week. Uh, co- coinciding a little bit when he posted this because it's so bad. He's like, I just got to watch it. We got to show it. Uh, so I was like, I'll, I'll watch it too. And I forgot how like scary those aliens are. Like the f- are. opening scenes, like they're creepy for they kids are. to watch. They're scary. They are horrifying. And the whistling noise and... Horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Like E.T. But, is scary if you're a kid to a degree. I could see where that could scare a kid. But then he's friendly scary. and he's cute. Yeah. But I think this I was is eleven or twelve and I was I remember the you know, your first time seeing it, you don't know what's going on. It's kind of these horror nighttime scenes. Um yeah. and then eventually of course you get to love E.T. But yeah, these aliens were right. scary the entire time. They're terrifying. There are no were redeeming the, qualities. Were the kids scared? Or were they Uh I think they were thought it was they were a little older. I think they were like seven or eight. Which is still young to get scared. I think they just kind of thought it was silly, or he didn't tell me they were scared, but it's scary. Yeah. It's really it scary. Funny. I do have fans that are now recognizing some of the same spots because they, in Mac and Me, they pull over at a park, and that's the same park from the original Freaky Friday where Jodie Foster is, is playing baseball and, and stuff like that. So, really? Small, small world, yeah. So it's funny because like, other fans will be commenting, like, isn't They it's see it. It's Freaky Friday, so people are now recognizing some of the same spots. Yeah, check out Mac and me on, on uh, Set Jetter's site. The last still in there is uh, still the house, and then there's the shot of Mac in that little, like, uh, you know, 
big wheel uh, truck thing. Yeah. It's... Which is just alone is very scary and disturbing that he's riding. Like, what, what director said action? It was like, we got it. This is good. I'm very proud of my work. This I mean, is the one. it was such a ripoff of E.T., but like, they didn't even get sued for it because it was that bad. They were just like, ah, let it go. Uh, but it is a cult film. We're talking it, about it today on a podcast, and yeah. people talk about this. So there you go. So they did something right. Well, Paul Rudd is a fan. I mean, or a, a, if you he know is. Paul Rudd, he always shows that clip of the kid going off the cliff. Yeah, um, the wheelchair. Yeah. Every time he says that, we have a clip of the film, and he always shows this every time. So. Yeah, he did it on Coded. He did it a bunch of times. He's, Yeah, I mean, it, it does have a cult following. It is, it is a... I guess it's a fun ride if you if you know what you're getting into. <laughs> uh, another site that you detailed, uh, you you know, chronicled in vivid detail was the Leprechaun series. Mm. I've seen all of these gems, and I feel like you really did your homework with the filming locations here. Yeah, that one did, was kind of like where once I started, because I thought, oh, I want I want to do the for the lepre- for original Leprechaun film, and I started doing that. There's not too many locations you can get to because it was kind of shot in a private property and the house I think they shot is kind of no longer there, but I found what I could and then I'm like, I start thinking, well, Leprechaun 2, let me just, kind of almost like the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. I'm a completist, so if I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do one or two, I'm like, I'm going to do them all and that means I have to kind of sit through some, um, uh, some, some bad sequels, but Leprechaun was interesting because they actually some of them actually got better, um, and the the two Leprechaun and the Hood movies um, are one in particular is actually pretty good still. I thought it kind of held held up pretty well, um, and are kind of enjoyable to sit through. Uh, Leprechaun, I think they're enjoyable. Of exactly what you think it is, and that's. Uh, but <laughs> I I gotta ask. No, I think I think it's great that you're a completist and you like take the time to do the whole thing because it's nice to see the whole catalog there, and. Uh, the Leprechaun Three in Vegas. They filmed the Vegas the Ambassador Hotel, which how was how were you able to get in there? Uh, I, the reason I ask is uh, when I when I first moved to L.A., uh, I'm a big you know Kennedy fan. I like Camelot, so I was like I'm gonna go to the Ambassador where Robert got shot, and it was just, it was a school at that point. Like I literally drove there. I didn't really do my homework. I just looked it up on Google Maps the address and I I went there and it was like a school that was being built. The Ambassador was knocked down, but you got to go there. When this thing was still standing, right? No, no. So I just went after it was. I haven't. I wasn't able to get into it while it was still going. So I think some people have, and but like you, I was too late to the game. To get Were that. you? So a lot of the outside shots. I, I found the outside shots where they're kind of looking away down. I think Wilshire, Wilshire Boulevard. Um, those all those places kind of still exist, but anything at. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah, you got like the school. Um, but you got you got it right up there. Did you know that's you Google these before. Did you know what you were getting into? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, and I try try my best to set up, you know, I bring all my screenshots with me, which is easier said than done because I, uh, yeah. uh, if you're only doing one movie and you're kind of set, but I do hundreds of locations a day, so I can't, I try to bring all the screenshots I can with me, but sometimes I fail, but uh, most of the time I try to get, get what I can. You should have an assistant or an orderly. Well, I, I, did like... have, I did have a wingman. My friend James used to live in L.A. and and he just he actually loved being the passenger. And I used to actually print out screenshots. And he would, uh, I'd say, uh, uh, we're going to Leprechaun Hotel, and he would like flip through and get those screenshots out for me. And 
we just kind of be ready to go. And then uh, as soon as we finished the location, we'd throw them in the back. So in the back seat was just full of photos that we just screenshot away at the end of the day. And so, but yeah, he moved, unfortunately. But yeah, he was one of my, my wingmans uh, for, for many years when I was in L.A. And he just loved doing it because he was, um, oh, a lot yeah. of LA people don't explore L.A. Yeah, um, no, they don't. Yeah. It's it's like people that live in New York their whole lives and they've never been to like the Empire State Building. You just yeah. don't do it. I I did a lot of exploring, but I'm I'm not a true LAer. I'm from Philadelphia, so I I, I did my homework and like went around. Uh, but people don't really do that. Um, yeah. It's interesting too. There's so much here uh, in every city. Uh, I remember at Leprechaun too. Um, part of that was shot at the Houdini Estate. Um, and uh, which is gated, of course, and whatever. And I think they just taught two or three scenes there. Um, but they were nice enough that I just emailed them saying, hey, I can, I want to shoot some locations, and they let me have the whole afternoon to kind of wander the estate to take um, all of the, any photos I want more than just kind of leprechauns. So I felt like I was kind of on sacred ground there as well. That's pretty cool. Houdini Estate's on Laurel Canyon, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to have to drive that way to work, so I would pass that like every day. It's cool. It's like a cool, like, they do weddings and stuff there. It's like yeah, a cool, yeah, it's a great event. Cool. A lot of photo shoots happen there. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's really cool stuff. The Woolworth store that was in the film as well, uh, downtown, yeah. 7th and Broadway. And the, yeah. uh, I stopped at the bar, too, where they shot, and they actually had a leprechaun statue yeah. that was in the movie as well. I think I've been repainted since. So uh, That's there, awesome. I, yeah, to let me take a lot of pictures of all that fun stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at the bar stuff now. But you did, you're did. you a completist, so you did your homework and you shot the entirety of the Leprechaun. Uh, did you do this all in like a weekend, a couple months? How no, long that did it was take over you to do a, this? kind of a course of a couple of different visits where, um, and, and some I just lucked out. So a lot of the, the two Hood movies, I think, were both, a lot of it was shot at Lacey Street Studios, which where Cagney and Lacey was shot the entire series, but it was also used in... It was the shelter in Freddy's Dead. Um, it was it was using uh, Ryan Murphy's feud. Um, oh yeah, I saw, know what you're talking about. Yeah, saw what the shot the entire saw first movie was shot there. Yeah, uh, yeah. There. So a lot of space I had, and a lot of places already don't exist, especially Leprechaun in the Hood. They've already torn down a lot of that um, downtown. The arts district area is already kind of torn down and kind of rebuilt. Uh, Gentrification. So I haven't even been there. Uh, you mentioned uh, Freddy's Dead was filmed at there. Freddy's Dead, they clearly saved the best for last with that one, right? <laughs> you, you need to add a couple more uh, quotation marks in there. So. I do like that the tagline is, we saved the best for last. Or maybe add a question mark instead. Yeah, we saved the best for last. It's really bad, according to you. You've spoken about this in the last show, so I won't ask you to do it again. But it is funny to hear your take on that. The homeless camp that they live was also in uh, Leprechaun. That's where I know the shot from. Yeah. They live is a classic. Oh, yeah. You did that, too. I did. I think it's, it's not on my website. It's on my blog, I know. Uh, so I need, I, I need to move that over to, to the web, website. So I you did really good work. Thank you. Yeah, really I, good stuff. Um, I did. I remember at the time, nobody had. I don't think anybody had figured out where the alley was, the big fight alley. So I went to that. Uh, yeah, was, where he's fighting uh, Keith David. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, so and then I actually went and found the sidewalk, you know, where he's walking along and he's doing the uh, uh, the black and white versus his glasses and stuff like that. So, so you know me, Obey. I want to find every single spot 
uh, even if it was a matte painting, where they took that matte painting from. Yeah, found, it's so uh, cool that you did that. Because uh, I've seen it. I saw your... You might have posted it recently. I don't remember on Instagram, but uh, I did see They Live, uh, your work on that. It's pretty cool. Really scary yeah. flick, too. I mean, it's not scary to jump out of your seat, but psychologically, uh, yeah, that would be like the scariest scenario to be in, I think. That's one that probably would resonate every 10 years or so because there's something new. You know, this was, I know, kind of a knee-jerk reaction to Reaganomics and everything happening. And then I think uh, what we see, you know, 2020, this, the, they live is uh, important in a different way, in another way that we kind of look at people and uh, those that are marginalized and ignored uh, for, their, for those that are in power. Absolutely. Yeah, it's... it's a sociological experiment you could do it's a political statement of the current climate you could yeah you're right you could probably refresh that every 10 years or so that could or be every four tv series that they might be able to elongate a little bit but i think it would be a great tv series yeah i'm surprised actually it hasn't been yet Stephen king owns the rights so i'm surprised because it was based on his the 10 o'clock people oh. which is a Short story about people that go out to smoke at 10 o'clock. They're like not breakfast people, they're not lunch, they're like the 10 o'clock people. They're in between. And then in between, you know, alienated human, they were able to see. And so it's another Stephen King movie ultimately. And I'm surprised they haven't redone that because it's, you'll see that, I'm sure, in the next five years. Um, but yeah, you do great work on that. You do great work on the site. Uh, you have 200, you said, indexed, unindexed entries yeah can you give us a little taste of what some of these might be uh, let me see let me pull up my um my to-do list just for September. you always surprise me uh you you do so much so you know i'll see some uh a new entry i'll be like oh yeah i forgot about this and oh you went there and it's it's really cool and it's very diverse you're not just doing i know you like horror movies but you don't just do horror movies you do everything you do madonna videos do, do you do comedies you do old classics from you know, the 50s. Um, you did the blob. It, it's, it's just pretty cool. So I'm looking at Give September. Us a yeah, let me see. So Shortcuts, Robert Altman's Shortcuts. Um, oh, okay. That one I'm working on. Cool. Um, Peppermint. Um, I'm a big Alias fan, so Jennifer Garner um, can do oh, no okay. in my book. And then Peppermint's one of those. It's not that great a movie, but I got fixated on, you know, I was watching it, and I was like, oh, I need to find every single spot. So, uh, and you did. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So uh, the classic Slumber Party Massacre 3 is going to have its oh. uh, 20, 30th anniversary. So I'll make a little cool. about that. Earth Girls Are Easy. Uh, <laughs> Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, favorite. Um, I've been to a couple Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar locations that was shot in Nebraska. Oh, in cool. A, in a barely town. Uh, I Heart Huckabees, uh, Witchboard 2, Sneakers. The game uh, with Michael Douglas. Yeah. So I, I went when I was in San Francisco in this San Jose area. Um, so his mansion in that film was also the same mansion in A Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty. So I went to that. Oh, sweet. Uh, in San Francisco. Yep. Cool. Uh, Postcards from the Edge. I'm a big Carrie Fisher fan. That's a great flick. Yeah. Uh, and, and hilarious. Uh, uh, Shirley MacLaine, obviously. So yeah, I, I don't Meryl think they ever got the biting humor of Carrie Fisher. Uh, Meryl Streep didn't quite get it, but I still like that movie. So. Yeah, no, it's good. 
uh, All of Me is coming up uh, with uh, Steve Martin and Lily Tomlin. Oh, cool. Uh, I have on my to-do list uh, the Exorcist TV series season one. I went to Chicago and did a lot of those locations. Oh, wow. I'm a big fan of season one. Season two, I watched the first couple of episodes and I kind of phased out. You You fell out of it? Uh, Isn't that sad when that happens? You have so so you have such high hopes. Yeah, and you're like, oh, it didn't. It it always it's always those sophomore efforts that don't quite do it. Um, right. Well, I was like that with Walking Dead. I I I got to season eight or nine, and I really loved that show. Like I watched it for eight years every Sunday when it was on. Like I never missed it. I always watched it live, and it just got so muddled. And I'm like, you know what? It's this is a chore now. It's yeah, not even yeah. fun. And I just stopped watching it. Yeah, yeah. Why? Then they're like, "Why do I keep going? Why do I keep watching this?" Yeah, it was sad. I had such. It was so good for so long, and then, yeah. Uh, Again, one of my favorite Jamie Lee Curtis films is having its tenth anniversary. So I'll be. Oh, cool. Uh, Urban Legends, Urban Legend, which was shot in Toronto. uh, The one from '97. '98. Yep. '98. Carbon Copy, which I think was Denzel Washington's first film. Huh. It has aged horribly. Uh, I haven't seen it. Has it? I don't think they want anybody to see this film. So they're trying to bury it. George trying to Seagal suppress. Yeah, uh, adopts uh, Denzel Washington, and the humor is that he adopts a black man. So it doesn't this, age well. It is not. Yeah, it probably it's did, like it the movie The Toy. Well the time, yeah. Either. Basically, um, he gets a slave. Remember the movie yeah. The Toy with Richard Pryor? Oh yeah, that yeah. It's, it's a Richard Pryor is a great actor, but the movie's basically "I Got You a Slave." Yeah, but he's going to make you laugh. Yeah, it wouldn't fly today. It's funny. Yeah, uh, we got Paranormal Activity, the first one coming up. Oh yeah, irreconcilable differences. Pacific Heights, uh, if you remember that thriller. Yeah, uh, Halloween Six is going to have its twenty-fifth oh. anniversary in September. Man, I feel old. I know. Uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and The Entity. Oh, sweet. When's Halloween 6? That was September? Yep, September 29th. Oh, I saw that in the movie theater as like a teenager. I feel old now. It's 25 years? You made me feel old because you saw it as a teenager. I was 25, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. I saw that with like six, seven people. It was like a mob. We're all like, let's go see Halloween. It was... Uh... It was like right around my birthday. I have a bir- my birthday September, and I, that was such a fun time in my life. I think I was like not destroyed by the world yet, so I had all yeah. this hope and promise. And we saw Halloween, and it was the first Halloween movie I saw theatrically because I've seen them all since in the theaters. Yeah. So that was the first one, and it was so cool. You know, like the girls were scared, and I was like, "Oh, Halloween!" And it was so cool. I can't believe that was. Tw- I remember that, like it was yesterday. It was 25 years ago. Wow. It's not like when you first hear the Halloween theme blasting on the big screen, if you never have before. It's so my, my, happy. My first Halloween was Halloween 4. And so after the ambulance scene, you know, like... like uh, yeah, when they drive uh, away. Uh, they... Yeah, and the Halloween thing just booms in. I was just like, I was, I was so excited. Goosebumps. Yeah. The, the, the two instances, in my opinion, that the Halloween music gives gives me the most goosebumps is Halloween four when they're leaving the Haddon Hospital. Uh, what's it? Had a, uh, they they're leaving a Richmond Sanitarium. Yes, and they close the ambulance door. They're driving, and the music kicks in. And the second one is in the um, second film where uh, we talked about this the last show. The kid's walking with his boombox, and he hits 
Michael Myers. Do and then and then they do a tracking shot of Michael Myers and the Halloween music crescendos and it gets built up and like a police car flies by and kids are walking and it's one shot that gives you goosebumps. But yeah, that when you hear that that theme on the big screen, it's it's great. Yeah. It brings a smile up. to your face. It still does when Halloween oh, twenty eighteen yeah. came out and same thing. They they knew what they were doing. You know, the the yes. crescendo of, you know, say something and then they they don't have the lead up to the thing. They just boom, you know, on the, the first verse of, of playing the Halloween thing. Yeah, it really worked. I, you know, I need to rewatch the 2018 one. I, I really didn't like it, but I probably didn't give it the respect it deserved for watching. I think I watched it like on a computer screen. I should I should probably like watch it on the, you know, the big TV. I, I went to see it in IMAX even. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did use a good uh, they did make good use of the theme song in that, though. I will say that. And you saw no, it IMAX? Yeah, so I think um, I was actually I was in LA. I was uh, I think it was Halloween Day, um, and then because no that, yeah, that that night I was going to see John Carpenter at the Palladium, and so um, sweet. I see, I was like, one, I just wanted to see Halloween on IMAX. Obviously, this is the only time you'd be able to see it, um, and then uh, yeah, to me, it was the audio that made it more than actually the visual. Uh, so obviously, I'm hearing the soundtrack in the IMAX was just totally worth it. Oh, gives you goosebumps. Yeah, I love it. That, that, what that was John Carpenter's thing? What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. What was John Carpenter? You said you were seeing John Carpenter at the Palladium. What was he doing? A screening? He, he, does, uh, he does shows. Uh, he plays concerts and stuff like that. So, oh, it's him. Um, okay. Yeah, so him and his uh, Cody Carpenter and I can't remember the other guy's name. So, yeah, if you have a chance, I mean, to one, it's, it's a little weird uh, to see uh, a soundtrack concert, but it's John Carpenter playing all of his classic themes. Oh no! I've seen them before. They're great. Not Carpenter, but I've I've seen um, people at Hollywood Bowl uh, um, doing you know themes and, and whatnot. It it it's it's beautiful. It makes you want to watch the movie, and Absolutely. you appreciate the movie when you watch it. And if you do, it's worth the VIP deal because you pay a little bit extra, um, and so you usually get some a T-shirt and a signed poster and a bag or whatever, and you can bring two items to be signed as well, all included. So um, you, you can't beat that. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, I always feel like you should always spend extra when it comes to, you know, entertainment, like live concerts and stuff like laundry uh, detergent. You know, get the good stuff. That's get the probably, best you can. You know, don't, don't, don't at mattresses. Get like the best mattress you can. You spend like half your life there. Don't, yeah. don't cheat. But everything else you can be cheap about. Clothes, car, fine. But like yeah, that's if the. If you're frugal in some ways, you can spend whatever you want in others. Yeah, yeah, splurge on, the, on your, you know, keeping yourself clean. Uh, but that's pretty cool, though, that you saw in the theater. Other sets that you visited that we've touched on before were Jurassic Park. Do you have anything in that world in the future? Or have you shown us, have you shown the world everything you have? I think I've shown you everything. I think... I well, you got all the good ones. Yeah, what's, what's the second Jurassic World? That you got out? all of them. Yeah, that, because uh, I, I would see those locations. I happened to be in Hawaii at some of those locations a couple weeks before the movie came out. So I was yeah. taking pictures of stuff because I didn't know what it was. Like the, um, uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember what it was, but some of the pieces that they shot there. But Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom, yes. Fallen Franchise. Jurassic That's what I was going to say. What an appropriate subtitle. <laughs> Fallen, it really is. Why, the money of Fallen. It went from, yeah, we, we could go on that all day, but. Yeah, we, I don't, don't want to. To taint your uh, Jurassic Park 
fandom. So, because I see the poster behind you there. Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of the originals. I'm a huge fan of Jurassic World. I I just Fallen Kingdom was like Clue with dinosaurs. You know, somehow they're in a mansion, like running from raptors. I don't know what happened from how you got from John Hammond and Sam Neill to that. I just don't know what happened. It was, yeah, I don't know. So, but I I agree. And Jurassic World kind of gets the same uh, negative reaction, kind of like The Force Awakens. Like it was just a reboot of the original. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It it followed a lot of the same beats, but. Yeah. A lot of those beats worked for me still, and it was kind of a, a new take. Yeah, on it. it was a, it was cool. They 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 did it respectfully, I think. Uh, Killer, it, of course, her finest role next to uh, Carrie. Uh, Killer clowns from outer space. I like your entry here because the police station, and I'm saying this from memory, so maybe I should open this up. But the police station was just like a cell phone store or something, and they just slapped on like police on it. It's it's amazing. The sets, but you, you, you were here. You traveled to this place. Yeah, and that was a this few small town ago. in California. Yeah, they were, um, and there was some music festival or something going on because they had the gazebo, and there was, and I get obviously, you know, as we talked before, I'm like, if there's a lot of kids around, I get really leery because I'm like, I don't want to take pictures or I don't want to look like that creeper. Um, and so yeah. I, just, I was like, I was like, oh, of course, the time I show up, there's a huge festival and there's everybody uh, all around and. And I remember some kids were, I was taking pictures of the, inside the gazebo. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, they shot a movie here called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, all not, right. not their thing, you know. I, obviously yeah. not too many people would do it. So, yeah, so as, uh, that small town and uh, Santa Cruz where they shot the Lost Boys. Uh, yes. Most of that. But, the Killer Clowns is cool. I'm looking at the, the gazebo. It's the exact same. It's untouched. And then there's yeah a couple other parts yeah that pretty much kind of remained the same and then and speaking of actually Paul H I think just commented today on a, a missing location that I had uh, so he, he somehow oh. found it yeah oh uh, wow um, Debbie's house uh, he, he found that so oh cool I'd even try, I even I couldn't even try to find it so he but he found that so so good for him yeah that's good that you got these shots though that's a cult film that people love. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's a classic. That's a good do, movie. It's fun. They do keep talking about remaking that or, or making a sequel, which I think they would work, especially in this day and age. And yeah. it has, of course, that great soundtrack, too. I think that's classic. what... Classic. Soundtrack is great. Yeah, I feel like a, I feel like a reboot could work, because they have the updated CGI, and they'll have like a budget for it. That It could look really good. But, uh, if they do it right. Oh, Night of the Creeps. Um, I just did that one. So that's yeah, that's a classic old thing. flick. Better Off Dead, comedy classic. Um, can't go wrong there. It's pretty good. Um, I want to encourage the listeners to check out setjetter.com. That's set-jetter.com. Uh, and look at uh, all of Robert's work on there as well as on Instagram um, as well. Uh, is there any other mediums I'm forgetting here, Robert? Uh, just those two. I have a Facebook page, too, which... I kind of repeat some of the same things. So no matter what social media you're on, all roads lead to set-jetter.com. All roads lead to set. <laughs> and well, you, uh, check him out on Facebook and also send him money via PayPal as much as you have. I do those all. So I'll, I'll be honest. So you'll, you'll see my blog and my website have zero ads. You know, I, I'm not one of those. I'm not here to make money off it. I, I, I pay, to, pay to do this. And like I said, I do it for fans. This is all 
all for fun and for the enjoyment of film. I I honestly respect you very much for that. You 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 mentioned that before. It's not a you know it's not a money machine. There's not crappy ads. You're not selling merchandise. You're you're and you could too. People would 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 do it, but you you do it for the love of the game. Absolutely, I love is, the chase. You love the chase. Uh, that's going to be our time today, Robert. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go, sir? No, I think we should do. We talked about it. We should have like set jetter Saturdays. Not every Saturday, but uh, I, I think, I think we, we should. Yeah, I think this needs to be a thing. We always have fun. You're always a great guy to talk to. And our numbers were the highest ever the last time you are on. So what does that say? Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll compare now and see. We'll compare. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, Robert, thank you for coming on the show. Tweet thank us you. at the underscore podcastle. Check out the set jetter at set-jetter.com uh, for free today. And enjoy all of his work. Thank you for listening. Uh,